The following is a conversation between Martin Whitaker, the founding chief executive officer of Just Capital, and Denver Frederick, the host of The Business of Giving. Just Capital is the only independent nonprofit that tracks, analyzes, and engages with large corporations and their investors on how they perform on the public's priorities. And never have people been more interested in what companies are doing with a heightened concern to build a more just economy that better serves the needs of all stakeholders. And here to discuss that with us today is Martin Whitaker, the founding CEO of Just Capital. Hi, Martin. Welcome back to the Business of Giving. Hey, Denver. Great to be here. Thanks for having me back. You know, before we discuss the current situation, tell us about Just Capital and the mission and goals of the organization. Sure. We're a nonprofit. Our goal is really to try and build a more just economy in America. We do that by incentivizing, encouraging big corporations to do right by all of their stakeholders, not just their shareholders, but their workers, the communities where they operate, the planet, of course, and their customers. And all the things that we measure companies against, all the issues and the criteria all come from the American people. So this is basically a reflection of how big companies are performing on things that Main Street America cares about and that all the information that we gather is then used by people to make investment decisions, to make consumer decisions or employment decisions so that we encourage a race to the top. Mm -hmm. And at the top was this past year, Microsoft. What are some of their practices that have earned them that coveted spot? Very strong on worker-related issues, very strong on pay equity, diversity, and inclusion in their workforce, very transparent and proactive on all manner of of employment-related practices that relate to training, providing a safe workplace. They've been a leader on climate change through their products and services. They're one of the top-performing companies in terms of their customer reviews. So really across the board, I have to say, Microsoft performed very, very well. Mm -hmm. Well, your organization moved fast. I mean, exceptionally fast. And in no time had a COVID-19 response tracker up on your website. What companies are you looking at, Martin? And what specifically are you looking for during this crisis? So the tracker is really, I think, a unique thing insofar as We realized right at the beginning of this crisis that companies were going to be affected significantly. And many began to take steps in February and March to begin to respond to what was happening. And we felt as though this was a defining moment for our organization that we could, in fact, begin to monitor in real time or as close to real time as we could how the companies we were tracking and measuring anyway how they were responding on this issue. And of course, this has become the defining issue in the country, around the world. It's going to impact our economy for years to come. It's a turning point, a reset, if you will. And Mm -hmm. we felt as though it was really important to begin to monitor just what companies were doing across a range of things that we knew from our survey were already important to the public, So I'm thinking of things like providing a safe workplace or the way you're manufacturing products to support personal protective equipment or ventilator manufacturing, things like that. We wanted to record all of that in a tracker that would be a public resource that people could go to to see how companies were responding. We picked for the first tranche 
the, the 100 largest employers in the country. And we measured what they were doing and recorded what they were doing on 15 criteria. And that was on our website. And every time our research team were phenomenal, we were just very quick to react. And we're now in the process of expanding that to 300 companies. We're adding more issues such as which companies are taking government money. We're tracking furloughs and layoffs, pay issues, executive compensation issues. So there's a whole bunch of things which we think now are going to define how companies are seen in this moment. And it's also a resource for businesses themselves, is what we realized was many stakeholders, including companies, needed guidance. And they didn't really have the ability to track what was happening across the entire space. So that's why the tracker got so much attention. Everybody wanted to know, okay, what's happening? Who's doing what? And how does this company's actions compare with another company's actions? And so that's what the tracker does. It was the only resource that we were aware of that allowed companies a very simple lookup to see exactly what companies were doing across all these salient issues of the day. Yeah, that is really interesting, that last point you make, especially because we're all so influenced by our peers. And sometimes you don't think about that when you're thinking of companies, but they want to do pretty much what's consistent or a little bit better. And there's no other way for them to know that other than make a million phone calls, other than going to your website. And I was looking at some of the things there, like paid sick leave. Is that what about an average of 13 days or something like that, Martin? Yeah, that's right. So the average across the entire 100 company universe is 13 days, mm-hmm. which of course, is one day short of the CDC's 14-day recommendation. What I also found interesting was that I've had the virus myself, and I'm not sure you want to be back at work in 13 days. You need a little extra. <laughs> yeah. So I felt like 14 days was, you know, that's what Walmart's doing, Target. And we found that that was, we sort of centered on that as best practice, if you will, because of the CDC guidance. And increasingly what you're seeing are companies increase the level of paid sick leave and do other things to help company, to help employees either look after themselves or look after loved ones. Yeah, well, this tracker has certainly helped move the needle in that regard. Has there been any correlation between how companies have responded in terms of the emphasis that maybe they placed on their workers and customers during the pandemic so far and their market performance? Indeed. Yes, there has. You know, we created an index. This was several years ago, which tracked the performance of the most just companies. That index, relative to its benchmark, has outperformed throughout the crisis. So overall, what you're seeing is companies that were investing in their stakeholders, looking after their workers and the communities where they operated, they tend to always also do better for their shareholders. Now, we took a very close look just over the last couple of months at how companies that did well on the worker stakeholder. So which companies were doing all the things I just described, investing in worker safety, paid sick leave, how were they doing on providing flexible working hours and things like that. Those companies in the top 20% outperformed the bottom 20% on that worker issue by a huge margin, 7% over the quarter. So There's something going on there. It's fairly clear to us that companies that see 
their workers and other stakeholders as being central to their to their financial future and their ability to really compete and also to be resilient in a crisis which is obviously really important right now yeah. those companies are going to do better over time mm -hmm. and paypal would be one such example correct paypal is a great example yes dan shulman the ceo He's really a leader in this space. We've celebrated this publicly. His leadership on the financial distress of his employees, they conducted an employee financial distress test, if you want, to find out which workers were feeling most vulnerable. They identified the call center workers. They raised wages. They lowered the cost of benefits, provided financial training, gave them stock in the company, and they saw productivity increase materially. So for Dan, for PayPal, there's no trade-off. You're investing in workers like that, and it's going to come back to reward the company and reward shareholders. Yeah, that's a huge lesson. Not that these two events are comparable, but are you seeing, let's say, a difference the way companies are responding now compared to the way they did in the 2008-2009 fiscal crisis? Well, obviously just wasn't around in 07, 08, but I've been in the sustainable investing corporate purpose space for 25 years. I think this is different. The 07, 08 affected a sector in particular. And uh, although its ripple effect went throughout the economy, but was really banking financial services in particular that was hard hit. And the resultant economic impact disproportionately affected the most financially vulnerable. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. And we'll see that again here. But I think what we're dealing with coronavirus and the economic impacts of that is going to hit much deeper, much harder. It's less clear what the future holds. It's less within our control as a race, as a human race. We know how this thing's you know, going to play out. We're in sort of reactive mode. And it's really exacerbated the fault lines of our economy in a way that I don't think 07, 08 financial crisis did. We're now seeing, for example, the African-American community decimated in places by coronavirus, disproportionately so here in New York, in the tri-state area. You're seeing such a tension between people and regions and industries who have sailed through the crisis without much problem, and those who've been incredibly hard hit. And I'm thinking of airlines as an, as an example of a sector, for example, that are just gonna be really badly hit. And yet you have some companies like Amazon or Zoom who are having some of the best quarters ever. I mean, yeah, it's right. great for business. So it's such a disproportionate impact throughout America and throughout the world and I fear that those, that unevenness is going to create a lot more tension. Yeah, yeah. Getting back to the response tracker for a moment, are companies using that tool during their earnings season to, to let people know what they're doing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We have so many companies calling now saying, hey, this is phenomenal research. Not just companies, too. Investors, we've had policymakers, we've had philanthropists, we've had journalists. To my knowledge, as I said, it's the only thing of its kind. And it's really helping companies who are trying to provide context for what they've done. So several companies 
I've been in touch recently because they've taken action on paid sick leave, for example. And it's very difficult to contextualize that. If you're able to speak to your investors on earnings calls and say, hey, look, we're providing 21 days paid sick leave. And we know that the average across the 100 largest employers, thanks to Just Capital's tracker, is 13 days. Mm -hmm. Investors can see that and say, okay, got it. That makes sense. The flip side is also true, Denver. Many, many investors now, especially those who are focused on ESG investing, are engaging with their companies, their portfolio companies. And certainly many registered investment advisors, tens of thousands of RIAs around the country who have clients that are interested in ESG investing, they're also using this to say, okay, here's what we see, what's going on, here's what's happening in your portfolio, and here's the context for that overall. So it's not just working for companies to provide context for their actions, it's also working for investors and other stakeholders who want to also understand the full field of play, as it were. Yeah, that's gotta be very rewarding to see it used in that fashion. You know, you mentioned uh, a couple of minutes ago that you had contracted coronavirus along with your son. I think it was back in March. Tell us a little bit about that experience. What was it like? Well, it was a crazy few days. It was the week when everything shut down in New York City. I live in Connecticut, which is where I'm speaking to you from now. I came home, we shut the office, and it was just a couple of days prior to the travel shutdown from Europe and my son is in Europe. And mm -hmm. uh, so anyway, we, we managed to get him back and uh, he came down with classic symptoms within 24 hours of walking in the door. And then two days later, I had the same. He's 19 years old, so he, he was over it pretty quickly, thankfully. I'm not 19. And uh, so it's taken me a little longer, but the whole thing was interesting. It took probably, as I said earlier, about 13 days to get through it, but it came in phases. And it's very unpredictable. It was an interesting experience to trying to ensure Just Capital was responding as an organization quickly. We've got a phenomenal team and the leadership team. Really, we were so fortunate. We've got such incredible people that the organization was really in great shape. And even though I was struggling with this, but it sort of comes, you know, it lulls you into a false sense of security for a few days you have flu-like symptoms and you think they've gone away and then a cough develops and then you sort of feel this tightness in your chest or breathing. So oh. it went in these different phases and, uh, you know, it wasn't very pleasant, but I was lucky. I don't have any underlying health issues and within a couple of weeks I was feeling fine and now I'm fully recovered. I actually had the antibody test done about 10 days ago and I got plenty of antibodies. So anyway, so it was an interesting parallel, personal and professional going through that myself, but also standing up the tracker and just watching the story unfold for, for the country, but also for, for Just Capital and our mission. Did you learn anything about leadership and having to lead Just Capital uh, at this critical time and at such a difficult time for you? Were there any lessons you can take away from that? Oh, for sure. I would say anybody that has led through a crisis comes out of it much, much the wiser. I think as I look back, what crises tend to do sort of accentuate strengths and weaknesses. And we as an organization, we work so hard to ensure just position as a thought leader and all the things we did. 
but we also had to look internally at the team to say, okay, what toll is this extracting from the team and how are people coping through this? And it brought us closer together. It certainly helped us understand everyone's individual journey. It was clear to me just talking to the team and listening to people, how everyone was experiencing this thing differently mm-hmm. and understanding that providing for the needs of the whole organization whilst also trying to ensure that people individually felt supported, that they had my backing, they had their teammates backing, that we all had each other's back. That was really crucial. So I I feel as though overall, of course, we're still in the middle of this. Overall, the main lessons learned around how to keep the organization healthy and moving forward quickly, but also making sure that people individually had the space they needed to be able to manage and to lead themselves. I will say, Denver, I'm the CEO, but this company has 33 leaders. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, well said. You started this conversation with the phrase defining moment. Do you believe we're witnessing a, a really a fundamental change in the purpose of the corporation and its role in society as a consequence of all this? I do. I believe that companies' actions now and over the next several months will define their own futures and will become a public record of their true commitment to purpose. And I think that people will be much more willing to support those companies that are doing the right thing Mm -hmm. and punish those that are not. And I think that leaders, business leaders, CEOs who are complacent about that risk real reputational damage right now. So I feel as though it's a turning point for corporate purpose in several ways. One, it will, as Warren Buffett said, when the tide goes out, you see who's swimming naked. Yes, right. (laughs) That's what's happening here. We'll see who's for real, who's actually embracing a true stakeholder model and who's just looking at this as a superficial marketing opportunity, or maybe just doesn't get it. I think we'll see who's for real. I also think that those companies that come out of this in a more resilient state with a better awareness of systems in which they operate, they realize they're not just in service of short-term shareholder primacy, but that actually investing in their workforce, investing in their customers and the communities where they operate, safeguarding the planet's future so we don't have another crisis down the road, a climate crisis. Like those are the things which will ensure a company's long-term resilience and long-term competitive success. And I think the stakes are very high. If companies don't get that right, I fear a backlash. Occupy Wall Street, Denver, you remember this. Sure do. After 07, 08, that's what we saw. And can you imagine when we're at 30 million plus unemployed and we have, if we return to a situation where inequality is just rampant, I really fear of a social uprising. The other thing I'll say is after World War II, we knew that we needed, the Western economies needed an economic engine that would lift and create prosperity for millions and millions of people. We needed to essentially have a a system where everybody felt like they had a stake. Mm -hmm. And so if you just look at it purely from an economic standpoint, if you have an economy where only a few people 
benefit or where large, large populations think, well, this is not working for me. That doesn't end well. We cannot create the kind of prosperity that we need over the next several decades without a just and inclusive economy. That much is obvious to me. So I feel like it, just from a purely economic standpoint, to get back to three, four percent GDP growth or high, you've got to have an economy where more people have a stake and believe that they have a stake. And that can only come with a stakeholder based model. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is a global health crisis right now, but that just may be the start of of things to come. Finally, Martin, how is this going to change Just Capital? Your role in the ecosystem, the way you guys go about doing your work and the contribution you make to what you just spoke about? Well, I think that obviously it, it has created a great opportunity for Just Capital. We need, the country needs a trusted, independent source of information on how companies are really meeting the needs of different stakeholders, that we need that now more than ever. We have to have a convergence of standards. I can see coming out of this a real focus on an agreement around, so well, how do we measure corporate stakeholder performance? How do we measure corporate purpose? What does it even mean in terms of data that people can trust? So I think that is very important. Obviously, that's our mission. And we believe that our fast response to this, our position as an independent nonprofit helps us not just do this ourselves, but catalyze a movement where others can help create a better marketplace. So I feel like it's a turning point for us and it'll make us better as an organization. And also, I think if you believe that business itself is and can be a force for greater good, that is our mission. And now is the time for that to happen. So in terms of the outcomes that we create, I think they become much more real and much more human. Mm -hmm. Well, as you say, that's your mission. And this is your moment. Where can people find out more about these rankings and all the other things that you discuss? Simple. Just go to justcapital.com. And all our contact details are there. We're very open. As I say, we're a nonprofit, very transparent. You'll be able to reach out to me through through the website or through LinkedIn or any of my colleagues. And I welcome that. I invite anybody listening to this to reach out to us, join the Just Movement, and help us improve and help us provide value for you. Well, I know you're a busy guy, Martin. I just wanted to let you know how grateful I am for you to take the time to share this information and these insights with us today. Thanks so much and uh, stay healthy. My pleasure. Thanks, Denver. You too.